Hey guys, welcome back to the show. The conference is eight days away. We cannot wait to see you guys there. We're extremely excited. It's not too late to grab a ticket. You can grab a day pass if you can't stay for the entire time. There are tickets available at the door. Full four-day passes and day passes. And if you can't make it in person, live stream passes are available at journeytotruthcon.com. We cannot wait to see you guys there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And please help us manifest some beautiful weather for all the campers and the sky watches and the bonfires. Uh, so any help there would be greatly appreciated. Tonight, we are joined by Sean David Morton. He's an author, investigative journalist, producer, remote viewer, uh, quite the resume. Your your bio is very impressive. You've you. been on plenty of shows of Project Camelot, Dr. Sala. I just recently caught you on Quite Frankly. It's an interview from last year, but you got into some really interesting predictions. And you were talking about your remote viewing. And I'd love to get into some of that today. I would love to get your take on the current state of affairs, your analysis on how we got here What's going on with this whole NWO, this new world order, and then what type of pushback they have, what we're looking at, what does the future look like based on your predictions, and we can just run from there. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor and a welcome. pleasure to be with young men like you, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Wait, wait, I need to do this first. Okay, so stand by one second. There we go. Now I need everybody to, yes. I need everybody to look right here, please. And this is the greatest show that you've ever seen with the greatest hosts. And you will buy all the books and give them enough money to buy some new shirts. There we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. Wait. Let's uh, let's chat about. Uh, wait, what's your name again? What's going on? Dr. What? Sean. Wait, David who, are you? who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we, what are we doing here? What is. Um, yeah, there you go. Ah, hey, damn. That's funny. Place <laughs> up. What the hell? You can purchase those at Universal Studios. Apparently. Universal Studios. You can actually get a a neuralizer for twenty dollars at Universal Studios. One that actually works. This one doesn't work very well because it's supposed to flash at the end, but uh, it's supposed to make a. But this one is lame. So it's like right. in the movie. I got a, yeah. I got a, I got a broken one because you know why? Because I bought this in Florida actually. So oh, there you go. Universal um, Studios, Florida. Yeah. So help our audience understand how you um, started making predictions via remote viewing what that journey has looked like for you and how you ended up here. I know on Art Bell, you used to make predictions and he asked you to stop making predictions because he thought maybe you were manipulating the timeline by, uh, I guess, influencing the collective consciousness and the predictions yeah. were possibly actually manifesting because it was reaching so many people. It's Which is really interesting. I do think that's possible, but I'll let you explain that whole process. Well, okay. When we started out with with Art, uh, his show was nothing. I mean, literally nothing. It was maybe 5,000 people listened to it. It was on, uh, it was on a station out of Las Vegas that nobody had ever heard of. But, um, I started going out to area 51 and, uh, it was February 26th, actually of 1991. And I took a friend of mine who was a reporter for the LA times, uh, Shannon Sands, and she brought a photographer with her and she was in another car with a photographer. And I was with my buddy, uh, my buddy, Jeff Slack. And um, long story short, we got buzzed by a flying saucer. I mean, this thing came came in on its edge in the road, flattened out, um, you know, zipped off into the desert. Uh, we crashed the car into the side of the road. Myself and Jeff actually got out of the car and went chasing after this thing. And then it started chasing after us. 
which is really weird because, you know, we got caught up in the penumbra, the glow of this thing. And it sounded like a Tibetan bell. It was making a ringing noise, like, and this, I mean, we were deadly sick for probably, you know, a couple of weeks. The doctor said we had low level radiation poisoning. And what'd you do? Stick your head in a microwave. And, uh, uh, but it got area 51, which was a local phenomenon at that time. Uh, you had mm-hmm. George Knapp on Colo Channel 8. You know, he, uh, you had people like uh, people at the beginning of this, Bill Cooper and John Lear and all that. But it never escaped Las Vegas. It was just a local story where everybody knew where it was and it was attached to uh, Nellis Air Force Base. And uh, and I got it on the front page of the LA Times in the left hand corner. And then LA Times picked it up, Denver newspapers picked it up, New York Times picked it up. And suddenly Area 51 became a, a huge deal. And, uh, at that time, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, who'd done some TV before, was a friend of mine. And uh, she also used to be Miss Idaho, which I think a lot of people don't yeah. know. We're kind of dating-ish. And uh, she managed to go pitch a show at, uh, at Fox. And they, they picked it up for the first, first uh, episode, which was, which was a, this little show called Sightings. And there were, I think, five different production companies involved with it, including, you know, Henry Winkler and an Australian company and a lot of things. So she got to actually name the show. People don't know, by the way, about that show is that uh, Tim White, who was our uh, announcer, our host, was Colonel Tim White. And Colonel Tim White was a a big time dude at the Pentagon that, that nobody really realized who had access to a lot of inside information and when i found out that he was going to be the guy i was i was in complete shock i mean i had to go to linda and say do you know who tim white is do you understand his connection to the whole black world and deep state and whatever and uh, she did not but uh anyway so we did the show sightings and it was a ginormous hit it was uh, the number one show on fox far and away it was the highest rated program that fox had on to that time and remember all fox had at that time was married with children which was a you know highly rated show but not as high as this so it got picked up for 13 episodes and um and at the end of the 13 actually fox ordered 13 more and all these production companies got in a fight with fox saying well we demand that you order 24 and they didn't understand how fox was structured because at that time it was owned by rupert murdoch and murdoch was not a u.s citizen you could not have a tv network unless you were a, a u.s citizen so he he got around that by running it as a news corporation and finally you'll see 20th century fox i'll say at the bottom a news corporation and it wasn't mm-hmm. until murdoch actually got his u.s citizenship that he was able to do a, a lot of other things so um there's a lot of people that there were there was a nefarious a nefarious end to sightings which is not true it was just because all these guys got in a fight over 24 episodes as opposed to 13 and they said well we'll just walk away and We'll get it sold someplace else. And Fox went, okay, see you. Have fun with that. <laughs> However, what it led to, interesting enough, was uh, right after Fox had turned down the show, a uh, TV writer producer named uh, Chris Carter walked into the Fox offices and said, hey, man, have you seen the ratings of this sighting show? And he says, yeah. Or the Fox guy said, yeah. And he says, how would you like a fictional show about a couple of FBI agents that investigate this stuff? And then that way you could have that kind of show. And that's where they greenlit X-Files. X-Files. And, uh, interestingly enough, the pilot, which was shown as the second episode, um, was about these kids that had found a hilltop that looked down on Area 51, which was me. I was the one that found the hilltop that looked down at the base and started videotaping the base for the first time. 
I didn't tell anybody about the vantage point until I think late December of that year, when I took John Lear up to the, the peak for his birthday, I had to literally carry him on my back because he's got really bad knees, and bad shins and all that. And his exact words were, you know, in that deep gravelly voice he had was, holy shit, why aren't you dead? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, <laughs> oh, he says, you know, they're going to get you for this, you know, uh, which they eventually did, but it took a long time. So um, um, anyway, that's how Area 51 came about. And I, you know, I started taking celebrities out there, Conan O'Brien and all the writers for the, the Simpsons and uh, so, uh, Betty Thomas, who was a big time director. And uh, let me stop you just for a second, because sure. you mentioned the Simpsons for one. And I want to get into like your remote viewing and the predictions and how all that started. But then sure. the Simpsons also seems to play a role in the predictions because they have been pretty spot on. They have a great track record with predicting future events. Right. Uh, So do you understand? So does, does, by the way, so does TV in general. I mean, for example, Chris Carter, right. Right. Chris Carter did a show that was a spinoff of X-Files that was called the lone gunman. And in the third episode of that show, which I showed in March, it predicted 9-11, two airplanes, remote controlled, crashing into buildings in New York. and, And shortly after that, the show was pulled. So, the weird thing about this also is I'm a member of the Writers Guild of America, WGA. I have been since 1980, I think, when I sold uh, I sold a couple of pilots to Gene Roddenberry, who's a good friend of mine. And um, uh, I would go to the Writers Guild dinners and hand out my card and get mobbed by people at WGA who would just come up to me and say, oh, my God, are you the Sean David Morton? I listen to you all the time, and you know, because all these writers work late at night because... So they listen to the radio. So getting back to Art Bell, the only person who would talk to us was there was a payphone. This before cell phones or computers, or the internet or whatever. But there was a payphone out in front of this little restaurant up the road called the Little Alien, which of course you guys probably know about. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was along the uh, Highway 375, which has now been renamed the Extraterrestrial Highway, thanks to all of us being out there. And um, I'd call him on the phone, and he'd put us on the radio. And at one point, there was something passing over our heads. And I said, dude, you got to go outside. You know, I knew he was in Pahrump, which was on the other side of this ginormous area in the middle of the state, because uh, Area 51 consists of, um, or the, this entire military, I don't know what you call it, reservation. But you know, they have two-thirds of the state of Nevada. As a matter of fact, the federal government owns 90% of the state of Nevada. So there's this thing that was passing over our head. And I said, you got to go outside and look up. And he did. And it was his first big UFO aha moment. And I had just gotten finished doing a, a, a massive documentary, which is called UFO Contactees, which still for me is a problem that you have all these programs on TV that are you know on Tic Tacs and UAFs. And, and they're, they're trying to change the name of UFOs to uh, you know, unidentified aerial phenomenon and all that stuff. What were you saying? I'm sorry. UAP. Yeah, UAPs, yeah, unidentified aerial phenomenon, like it's going to change it. Right. The government yeah. has has created uh, this massive laughter curtain around anything that has to do with UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And my attitude is, okay, you have all these ships. There has to be people inside the ships. Why aren't we talking to people that have had experience with the people inside the ships to tell us what they have to say, right? Exactly. So. Um, we did the show UFO contactees, which was like, if you believe in UFOs now, here's what they have to say. And we gathered um, 600 hours. It was a massive project that we spent about $250,000 on the whole thing. Uh, about 600 hours of inter- interviews. 
with scientists, scientists, abductees, UFO researchers, et cetera, all over the world. Went to Billy Myers Farm. I went up and down Italy. Uh, we were in France. Uh, we were in Bayside, Queens. We went up to Canada. We were actually in the fields in May of 92, I think it was, when the original crop circles were being made. I mean, there were these, these, these little yellow ships were flying right over our heads, making these when they were actual circles. And that was before, I think it was 93 or 94, they started turning into crop sigils, I guess you could say, you know, messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah, first, yeah. The, first one, the first big one being the, uh, the giant key that you've probably all seen because it was on the cover of like Led Zeppelin's Greatest Hits or something. Remember that with the Zeppelin? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. I, I have to take breaks to drink this stuff. No, you're fine. Um, you still haven't answered my question, though, as far <laughs> as... I'm trying to get there. Okay, go ahead. Uh, as far uh, as um, the remote viewing and how you were... And the predictions you were making on Art Bell's show, how you were able to predict, predict them with such accuracy... And I want to get into some of your predictions for the current okay. events. All right. Well, it was it was kind of a the odd thing about this is, is that is that I told Art that I wasn't like a UFO guy, that I was that that, that you know I'd had a whole spiritual aspect to what was going on. And he was like, wait a minute, you make predictions? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, make some predictions. And you know, I started getting on the show making predictions. Now we built the show. I was for the first couple of years, I was providing it. Yes, I was producing for the show, basically. And um, he said, I want to know everything you know. I want to know everything you know, and I want to know everyone you know. And he would call me and say, Well, what about this guy, Richard Hoagland? Is he any good on the radio? And I said, Yeah, you're going to have to rein him in a little bit because he'll talk right over you. But so I, <laughs> he kept calling me saying, You know, what about this guy? What, what about Daniel Brinkley? What about so all these superstars on the program? Uh, we're kind of going through me and I was getting him people to talk to. And that was a big thing for him. And we built the show into the number one late night show. The number, the number three program in all the networks. Number one was Dr. Laura. If you remember her, um, number two was Rush Limbaugh. Number three was Art Bell. 27 million people were listening to this program. And it got to the point where Art said, I'm not sure I want you making predictions anymore. And I said, why? He said, he said, because you're starting to terrify me because the predictions are so accurate that um, I'm not so sure that you're not putting these, these, these thoughts into people's consciousness and we're not making them happen. And I said, well, you let Ed Dames come on, you know, major, major head games that we used to call him, or, you know, Dr. Doom, as he used to say, you let him come on and talk about all kinds of stupid stuff. And he said, his exact words were, yeah, but we all know Ed is full of shit. When you say something, it actually <laughs> happens. And that's what terrifies me. And mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of weird because once Nori took over the show, uh, I'll give you the difference between Art Bell and George Nori. Uh, somebody would call into the program and say, Art, I have to wear aluminum foil as a hat to keep the government from reading my mind from space. And Art Bell would say, and, and what is so interesting? about your mind that the government spends millions of dollars to read it from space i'm in i you know that's interesting to me now now this guy's yeah. gonna tell me this whole story about you know this that and the other thing same thing would happen somebody would call in a nori show and nori would say well what kind of aluminum foil is it is it reynolds wrap or alcoa is it you know do you, do you have make a hat for your cat as well because nori never gets to a point never nori never lets you do anything and uh it got to the point where I had, you know, uh, you know, Tom Dumheiser, his producer, 
coming out of the breaks and like yelling at me saying, you know, you got to let George run the show. It's his show. And I said, look, I gave you 20 questions, stuff that I had material to answer your questions. And he's telling me, well, tell me what it's like on Mars. I don't know. I don't know anything about Mars. You know, it, it's, and it just spun off into ridiculousness. And then, uh, and then Nori had a Nori had an axe to grind with me, so he did some really bad things to me on the on the radio. Accused me of things that, that were not happening. And um, well, um, there you go. So so here you go. So the, as far as the predictions go, um, this sounds like an egotistical thing of me to say, which I don't want to do. Uh, but I'd spent a lot of time in India. I mean, I, I just went to India for a year, and I I studied with the Dalai Lama at Dharamsala with him in residence for about four months. And then I lived in a monastery in Nepal at the foot of Mount Everest for another eight to nine months after that. And uh, the only thing that I could say is that you develop a, a form of cosmic consciousness. And I, it seems like a weird thing to say, but the cosmic consciousness means that you can meditate and access certain parts of your brain. And part of that has to do with being sensitive to the earth as well. And things just started coming to me. These flashes of things started coming to me. Now, I had a group of people because I wasn't trusting my own predictions. We had a group of people that I taught uh, particular remote viewing techniques. And um, we were predicting earthquakes at that time in the 90s. There was a lot of sensitive activity, you know, uh, earthquake activity in California. And the Mac daddy of these predictors was um, a guy named Gordon Michael Scallion. And he had a newsletter called Matrix Newsletter. That there's a whole bunch of celebrities like uh, like uh, Shirley MacLaine that moved out of California, and Elizabeth Clare Prophet who ran uh, Church Universal and Triumphant, which is weird because I went to USC with her daughter Ariel, and uh, they all moved. They all went to Wyoming. Uh, Shirley went to went to uh, New Mexico because Scallion was so accurate with his predictions. Now, I started tracking Scallion's predictions, uh, Nostradamus. Um, there was Dolores Cannon for a while. It turns out she was just copying her predictions from somebody else. Um, so Edgar Casey's uh, Edgar Casey's predictions, yes. And um, I started something at that time. Uh, we watched the timeline shift. That's the only way that I can that I can explain it. There was direct extraterrestrial intervention. There was direct intervention by the consciousness of human beings. There was military intervention and all this stuff. And um, a lot of it started with the uh, with the Northridge quake. Well, actually, it started with the Landers quake in 1992. And um, after that, the timeline shift. Actually, oddly enough, um, my neighbors and I, when, when Landers happened, uh, Landers is out in the desert, and there's a place on top of Landers, which is called the, uh, it, it, it's a device called the Integratron. And it's near a place called Giant Rock. And Giant Rock was the Area 51 of the 1950s and early 60s. And then it fell out of repute, really, because uh, the actor who played uh, Hopalong Cassidy was uh, was murdered under mysterious circumstances out there. It literally looked like somebody had pushed him out of a helicopter. And I had gotten to meet George and uh, Dottie Van Tassel uh, several months before his death. But he built the Integratron based off a spaceman coming down in his ship and actually handing him a a model, a mock-up of this big wooden dome-shaped building for him to build. And with Howard Hughes's money, of all things, he actually built this place. He then died some months later. But um, 
you know, Giant Rock was a was a big deal at that time. Sorry to get off on that. But um, the Landers Quake happened. And the Landers Quake was right on the edge. It literally is a is a hinge that is where the Juan de Fuco plate actually hits the North American plate. And my neighbors and I in Hermosa Beach, I you know, I lived right on the strand in Hermosa Beach. And you could see everything from Portuguese Bend all the way up to uh, Zuma, uh, Malibu, Point Doom, whatever. And thousands of people witnessed these green um, avocado-looking ships drop down from out of the sky with these blue-white beams of light actually coming out of the bottom of these ships. And it was reported on the news the next day as being transformers exploding or it was parachuters with, with, uh, with flares on their ankles. All kinds, of, and then they said, "Oh, it's just transformers exploding." Well, that's not what we saw. After that, suddenly the timeline changed or shifted, and uh, suddenly my my group was not picking up. And and after this, Gordon Michael Scallion was wrong about everything, and so I started my newsletter, the Delphi Associates newsletter, uh, to put my predictions in writing, to hit him with a stick, to say, "Look, here's where I was right. Here's where I was wrong." Um, so that nobody could just say I was making stuff up like Sylvia Brown or, you know, these people are like, oh, yes, I predicted that. And I was like, OK, you want to tell me where? Where did you put it in print? Where did you put it? You know, where did you announce it on the radio somewhere? So we have some record that you're not just BSing us, which, of course, most of these people were. And um, and then I noticed that after about 2005. Edgar Casey was completely wrong. Scallion went totally off the rails completely because he was he was on his timeline of the destruction of California, the timeline had completely changed and shifted. And the biggest shift in this timeline was when we, when I predicted the Northridge earthquake and everything I was getting from that quake was this quake was going to be somehow artificially induced, which it was by the military. And I predicted where the quake was going to hit first in Flagstaff, then it was going to hit in, uh, in, in Northridge. And I predicted the epicenter published it in my newsletter in October of 93. And then the quake actually hit. January 17th of, of uh, 94. And then I was in Japan teaching remote viewing in Japan. And I was all over the, the TV because I predicted the collapse of the government and the replacement of the prime minister. Uh, but then Osaka was going to be destroyed. Uh, Kobe actually would be, would be destroyed by quake, which actually happened uh, exactly a year later. I mean, almost to the second, it happened one year later. And there's a direct link between, downtown Los Angeles, which is like the throat chakra of the earth, and Osaka, Japan, which is like the third eye of the earth, which the prediction is, is that the last of the Maitreya Buddhas, the last of the great messiahs, will actually incarnate there in the year 2489 or something. And um, so as the timeline shifted, I put my newsletter together, my Delphi Associates newsletter, and put together the Prophecy Research Institute so that for the predictions I was making, I could, I could actually have a, uh, something in writing so people could go back and check the things that I was saying. And um, and here's the other interesting thing about this. I mean, there should have been there should have been a lot of stuff with uh, with Y2K as an example. And because we started the warning of Y2K, uh, certain government agencies spent trillions of dollars to fix it. And I was told that they managed to kick the can down the road so that the collapse of the computer systems that were all based on DOS, which is a complete crap system. That they're gonna uh, they're gonna collapse on January first of twenty thirty four, which I thought was interesting. Instead of two thousand one, uh, the other thing being is that there's a feature in the Great Pyramid, which is called the River of Fire, and uh, big big ditch actually that that showed I mean complete destruction for mankind. 
didn't happen. Went just right around it. And um, so even even the timeline that was laid out in the 7,000-year prophecies of the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, was incorrect. So I was, and I was tracking all these things because I'd been through these timeline shifts and I knew how things were different. And you call it the Mandela effect about how things have changed. Well, they have. Mm-hmm, and, right. um, and there are certain things in consciousness because time only exists really within the mind, but certain mm-hmm. things in consciousness that we remember that can't really be changed. And so um, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but Art just gave me the forum to do this. And I would do all these meditations beforehand and I'd go on the radio and just spout it all out. And Art had the wisdom to just kind of be silent, just let me do what, do my thing and uh, to spectacular effect. So that answer your question. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned after 2005, none of the Nostradamus predictions and the right. Edgar Casey, all that they quit coming true. Right. Um, this you also mentioned in the previous interview about 2009 something shifting with the norway spiral which basically shifted our timeline and that's when obama came into the picture and uh, there's even interesting information about obama's inauguration being a hoax basically basically um because he wasn't uh he wasn't a u.s citizen yeah so anyway can we get into by the way i I predicted that in my newsletter as well i wrote a big article in in uh, december saying that uh, because he's not a citizen they'll find some way for him to get around the oath because you have to say it exactly as it is in article six matter of fact when this famous picture of lyndon johnson taking the oath on air force one with jackie in her blood spattered pink outfit um with that woman uh the female judge uh, she said, well, I can't swear you in as president, uh, Vice President Johnson, because I don't have a copy of the Constitution. And he famously pulled it out of his coat pocket, said, got one for you right here, ma'am. And then, he, you know, the famous photo where he's got his hand in the Bible and the whole thing. But I bet um, a friend of mine who later on I found out was a big time, big time government. Mucky muck, you know, it's. um I bet him a hundred bucks. And I said, I, I bet you a hundred dollars that, that somehow Obama is going to find a way to get around the oath because he can't take it because he's not a citizen. And then there he is on TV. Matter of fact, my phone rang and it was him because he was there at the inauguration up on the, uh, up on the steps. And he's laughing his head off saying, I can't believe this. I owe you a hundred bucks. Cause I'm sitting here watching. And he had some derogatory things to say about Roberts and, and, you know, Obama as well. Uh, I'm sitting here watching this guy goof the oath up. Now, he took it again, they say, the next day. It wasn't recorded. It was photographed once. There was no Bible, actually, in the picture. And it was kind of weird to me because supposedly both Roberts and Obama are Masons. And they moved a portrait of a famous Mason who designed Washington, D.C. in a huge black magic pentagon and the whole thing. His name is Carl Latrobe. And um, they moved his picture so that it would be right between uh, Roberts and Obama when he finally took the oath. One other interesting thing about this that proves this again, uh, I had a lady friend of mine uh, who was Canadian Secret Service, and she was supposed to protect uh, protect Janet Napolitano, who was head of Homeland Security at that time in Toronto. And um, uh, she said, we have to have all this extra security because she's carrying the nuclear suitcase. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, they won't give it to Obama because he's not a citizen and they don't trust him with it. Wow. And Biden actually bragged a couple of times that he had the nuclear suitcase as well. 
And he said, if you're wondering why all those securities are here, because I have a nuclear suitcase and, you know, because you can't keep his mouth shut about how important he is. Um, but just all this evidence that, you know, that, that Obama was was born in Kenya, which he was. And the first two birthers were were Hillary and Bill Clinton, because uh, Hillary is saying, how can this guy be president? He's, he's not even an American. And behind the scenes at the Bilderberg meeting in May of, of 2008, uh, there's a big battle between the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds as to who has become president. The, the Rockefellers wanted Hillary, who had basically just beat the earth to death with war. And uh, it was um, Soros and the Rothschild clan who said, no, we're going to take uh, we're going to take Obama because uh, we're going to use health care and we're going to use uh, uh, people will be much easier to enslave if in their jail cell you give them a blanket and a pillow which is healthcare, And they also made comments about how nobody liked Hillary and they didn't think she was electable. And she went around to the Democratic convention, by the way. She won the Democratic convention. And it was her that went to each of the delegates, specifically in New York, and says, no, don't cast your vote. Cast your vote for Barack Obama. And she's the one that called the voting off. She's the one that got up and said, we don't need to vote anymore. Barack Obama's our guy. And she was guaranteed the presidency in 2016 and was guaranteed that Chelsea would have a political future as well. Of course, I don't think anybody had met Chelsea and realized what an idiot she is. Um, so, you know, <laughs> right. you'll see something with Chelsea because she's also the daughter of Webster Hubble, but that's a whole other thing. Well, okay, so let's go back a little bit. Yeah. So basically, they why, why would they need Obama? Um, why couldn't they actually have a citizen? What was the reason behind that? Do you have any information as far as that goes? Um, because... The way for him had been cleared. <laughs> this is if you if you understand the history of Barack Obama, uh, the chances of him even becoming senator were were a million to one. Um, <laughs> okay, you guys ever watch Star Trek Voyager? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, a little bit. You know, Seven of Nine on Star Trek Voyager. You know the girl in the yes no. Oh yeah, I Seven of Nine Star Trek Voyager. The, the chick in the gorgeous, you know, with the body with the blonde hair, who was previous board girl. Right. Okay, so so I can say Barack Obama is actually president because of Jerry Ryan and the Borg. How about that one? Um, her husband was Jack Ryan, and Jack Ryan was the was was the senator for um, uh, for Chicago, and he was ahead of the point ahead in the polls by thirty nine points. It was just going to shellac Obama, and then somehow, some way, the uh, the corrupt Chicago voting machine. Uh, released the sealed records of his divorce. And um, Jerry Ryan complained about the fact that he had taken her to a sex party and made her kiss a girl or something. And he had to withdraw from the race, which, of course, then Obama then won. He made the one speech in 2004 at the Democratic Convention. And it's interesting because the reason they put him up for it was because he was very slick. Uh, you know, he knew how to control a crowd. He um, and the bottom line is it's it was Eldridge Cleaver that back in 1974, he was a friend of our family and he was the guy who founded the Black Panthers. And we had a dinner at my house. My, my parents were very politically active and my stepdad was very wealthy. And uh, we had a dinner with Ann Rand and Eldridge Cleaver, of all things. And Eldridge Cleaver was predict 74 was predicting the future, saying when they drop the hammer on this country. When they when they go for the totalitarian state that they're going to put in, they're going to make a black man president of the United States. They're going to beat you white people into submission 
so that you being called a racist is the worst thing that you could ever think of. And they're going to make a black man president of the United States when they when they pull the trigger on all the stuff. And they're going to use uh, they're going to use defunding the police so that you get rid of your the protections of a local police force. They're going to federalize the police. They're going to use blacks at the at the bottom of society to riot, to burn your cities down, to create chaos. And that's how they're going to basically take over. Now, you, you mark my words. If at some point in the future here, uh, everybody knows that that Biden is is a placeholder right now. But I firmly think that the Democratic nominee for president, and they may or may not find a way to to, uh, to stop Trump. And you guys are are you guys in Illinois, by the way? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, Missouri, so, Tyler's in Missouri. I'm in the Boston area, actually. Now. Okay, so you know that the Democratic convention is going to be in Chicago this year, right? I did not know that. Okay, no, the Democratic convention is going to be in Chicago, and the person who's going to run, she's got a book tour out. She's got she's touring the country. She's doing whatever. It's going to be Michelle Obama. You watch. Oh, I've I've already and, heard caught wind and, of that. Yeah. Well, because and I started saying it two years ago, so now I'm I'm once again I'm hearing the things that I've talked about being now in an echo chamber echoed back to me, and it's going to be interesting because either he might be on the ticket or some kind of major support is going to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and I made a joke about this. I put out a <laughs> meme that would be perfect because we could we could say that the ticket is made up of the Rock and the sock. <laughs> <laughs> right that's funny nice. um, so i'll send you i'll send you the meme if you guys want to put it up I mean, the rock on the sock is pretty much. okay okay so this was predicted to you in the 70s that they were going to bring a black man in whenever they were going to start their totalitarian takeover yes and then okay so and the reason the reason it was predicted is that eldridge cleaver was a radical black panther he blew things up and he fled to angola and he saw what they did to angola he saw the totalitarian state in angola he converted to Christianity, oddly enough, came back to the United States as a as a radical, raving, you know, right wing Christian. And he'd written a book called Soul on Ice, which was a big bestseller that was all, you know, communist propaganda and all that. But then he wrote another book called Soul on Fire about his conversion to Christianity and about what he saw as the as the plan for what they were going to do in the United States. And uh, at some point, I got to write an article or a play or something about, you know, Ann Rand and Eldridge Cleaver facing off politically because it was a fascinating conversation. And, um, you know, this is this is this he said this was going to be the plan. And you're seeing this plan being put into motion by George Soros and Soros funding. He got control of all these DAs because they're the ultimate law enforcement officers in all these different places. And um, the DAs are not enforcing the law. They're. They're defunding the police. They're, you know, they're allowing crime to run rampant in your streets. And it's unfortunate. And, and I think that the uh, uh, now that the voting mechanism is almost completely controlled because it's what the CIA does. I mean, they go to banana republics. They went to Brazil and did it. Uh, you know, they went to all these different places. They take over by just rigging the elections. And they've done that here. And uh, and Trump was surrounding himself with people that were so stupid. Or we're actively betraying him, which I predicted as well. I just did his astrological chart back in 2017. I said, uh, uh, and I predicted that he'd be president when everybody called me an idiot and a fool. And I said, in 2020, he'll win the popular vote, but he will not serve. And that, that didn't make any sense to me at all. And, um, um, and the challenge here was, is that there are, now you've got Dominion winning all these lawsuits against Fox and, and, uh, and all these other people claiming that they were slandered or libeled because their machines were rigged. Well, 
Okay, there were 60 were lawsuits. What's that? They were rigged. Yeah, of course they were. But you know why you don't know anything about that? There were 60 lawsuits that, was fi- that were filed by Trump and Trump's people. And in every single one of the lawsuits, because I read a bunch of them, every single one of the lawsuits, there was not one request for discovery. Not one. Which means you didn't have access to the voting machines. You didn't have access to the bags of ballots. You didn't have access to all the ballots that got shipped in that just had one stamp on it, just said Joe Biden on the ballots. And um, this whole thing was rigged up by the Jesuits. The Jesuits are the biggest intelligence agency on the earth. And Jesuits are controlled by the Knights of Malta. And the Knights of Malta are obviously controlled by the Catholics, by the, by the, the Church of Rome. So they're the ones that rigged the election against Trump. And so, they're the ones that control all the five I agencies and all that other stuff. So, so okay. Then they, they didn't think Hillary was going to lose. They, they, they guaranteed her the election. What happened? Was there a timeline shift? How did Trump get in? And what did that mean to their NWO agenda? Um, they had to do everything they could to, you know, obviously uh, take down Trump, which they did with two impeachments. You know, again, something else I predicted. He was betrayed by his own people. That was his fault. Yeah, but how did he get how did he even get allowed to be elected in the first place? Was what shifted that Hillary didn't win? They didn't have they didn't have the kind of control over the uh uh because the vote for the vote for him was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming mm-hmm. in um in 20 uh 2016 that they just weren't prepared for it. They just weren't, and they didn't have their Dominion voting machines in place. That was the intel I heard was that they did cheat, but the vote was so overwhelming that even their cheating wasn't enough. Well, and at the same time, when the COVID stuff started coming out and I, I, I realized that this was just a flu. They were just using the same. Uh, I mean, we go into that whole thing as well, because. Uh, um, yeah, it was the flu. Well, the COVID, COVID sensationalized yeah. flu. Yeah. COVID-19 right. was SARS and SARS was designed to kill Asians. And, um, and the whole. um uh, uh, what's what's it called? They were calling it function. Uh, the whole uh, gain of function. Yeah, gain of function. The gain mm-hmm. of function that Fauci was discovering when they were in the Yuhan lab was how to take SARS, which was primarily killing Chinese, Japanese, you know, people of Asian descent, which was a direct descendant of Project Seven Two One, which is our plan that if the nuclear if the nuclear bomb didn't work, which it it wasn't going to unless we captured Germany and got a bunch of German scientists and the, the, the A-bomb was dead in the water because none of them knew none of them knew it was going to work or not. Um, they were planning on dropping a flu virus on Japan and killing them using biological weapons before we otherwise we were going to lose a million guys invading Japan. And it, and and the gain of function was how do we how do we teach this virus to attack other races, to attack black people, white people, whatever. Indian people, and, yeah. Yeah, and back in 2021, there's a white paper that you can check if you want, but it's called the uh, uh, it, it's called the Project for an American 21st Century, and it almost caused a war with the Chinese because this became government policy that they would actually develop a series of DNA specific viruses that would kill Chinese, so that because other than that, by the year 2025, we would need a whole other planet just to feed the population of China, and the United States wasn't going to stand for that. So when you look at Fauci and whatever else, they went over there funded by, by the Chinese to figure out how to take this virus and make it kill everybody, not just them. So, and then when SARS started coming, coming out, I thought, I looked at the TV going, this is a propaganda campaign by CNN. And I knew exactly what they were going to do. That they were going to use the flu virus 
to keep people away from the polls, to be able to make it so everybody could vote without actually voting with paper ballots or whatever, stuff the ballot boxes and beat Trump. I knew this was happening. So and the reason I know it is because the guy that engineered it in California to turn uh, California from a Republican state with Ronald Reagan and whatever into the Democratic hellhole that it is. I knew the guy that engineered it, CIA. Uh, you know, the guy's name was Nichols, uh, and he runs the Cabazon Indian reservations out here. And he's uh, he's one of the pioneers of MK Ultra. And I've been to his house. I mean, I I had dinner with him. So so um, John Nichols was the guy's name. So what and, did? Uh, so there you go. Sorry. What did Trump? Okay, so when Trump got uh, elected, they they didn't expect it. They threw everything they had at him. Uh, and obviously there was a giant smear campaign, you know, they, uh, they, you know, whatever happened, we all saw it, the Russian hoax, everything. Um, what was he implementing right off the bat that they were still threatened by? Well, he was going to, I mean, he was going to use the power of the, the pen. And remember the people that stopped him. Remember it was Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell who were the, the Trojan horses inside the Republican party. And they stopped him. Otherwise taxes would have come down to, uh, 15% instead of the 21. Uh, Mitch McConnell kept thwarting him in the Senate. Uh, uh, so, you know, he was not part of the one party uh, system, you know, the Republicans, Democrats, and, and what have you. And his biggest thing was, right. was it all came down to a big meeting in the White House uh, situation room where he met with all these generals and all these Pentagon guys. And he was primarily threatening the, the entire military industrial complex. You know, the one that Eisenhower warned you about that wound up shooting Kennedy, that wound up you know, doing all the things that is. And what people need to realize is that the, the, the military budget, the Pentagon budget every year is about $750 billion. For what? And again, if you take right. the budgets of all 50 states, it does not come to that. It, you can combine the budgets of all 50 states together. And they barely cracked $750 billion. So Trump sat down with all these generals and said, all right, look, the Middle East and 9-11, since then, you've murdered, and he used the word murdered, 27 million people in the Middle East. Because that's how many people we've killed since 9-11. Because you can look at Yemen now, you can look at Syria, you can look at you know Iraq, you can look at all these different countries. And he said, and you've spent $8 trillion on a war in Afghanistan that's got us what? How has that benefited right. America? He says, I can't get a trillion dollars to build a bridge or a road or a wall that keeps us you know, separate from these massive invading hordes in Mexico. And that's when Tillerson quit. That's where all these generals jumped up and said, you're an idiot. You're a child. You know, we need grownups in charge. Because he was directly challenging the military industrial complex, saying, how could any of this money be used to benefit the people of America? And you have to remember that Trump was worth about $5 billion, I think. And after he got done being president, he's only worth about three. So he lost about $2 billion being president of the United States, as opposed to Obama and Biden and all these other presidents that uh, they got rich being politicians, public servants. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure right. if that answers your question or not. Yeah, but. no, he he was a, a threat. He was exactly um, what they didn't want. <laughs> Somebody who was coming in with common sense. But he took the advice. He went and kissed the ring of the of the giant toad, um, Henry Kissinger. And he started using people from the uh, from the Bush administration. Ginormous mistake. Like Bill Barr. Bill Barr was probably the biggest mistake he had. People don't realize that Bill Barr had covered up Iran Contra. Bill Barr had covered up who was responsible for Waco. 
Bill Barr had covered up for Lon Hirachi, who was the guy who blew off Vicky Weaver's brains, blew out her brains uh, during Ruby Ridge. He was the one that also covered up for Lon Hirachi, who was the guy who manned the machine gun as women and children were fleeing the fire at Waco. That, that footage was actually shown to Congress, by the way. You didn't see it, but it was shown to Congress, and I think it was featured uh, Rules of Engagement, I think, which won an Academy Award for Best, for best Short. That was Lon Hirachi. And nobody paid attention, and he got promoted. And nobody paid attention until he appeared on the cover of Guns and Ammo magazine with his Desert Eagle 1911. You know, when I'm shooting Patriots, this is the kind of gun I use. And, um, you know, before people paid attention to him. But um, you look at Tillerson, you look at his Secretary of State, you look at, you know, all these people, they're all deep state swine. And who does he get rid of? He gets rid of, you know, Steve Bannon. He gets rid of the people that could have helped him. And the same thing when he was fighting the election fight saying that this is fraud uh you had mark meadows who was chief of staff who when ellen wood and uh um sydney powell were coming to the front door of the white house with truck after truck after truck of evidence of the voting fraud they were told to hit the bricks you know it was mark meadows that kicked him in the teeth said get the hell out of here and everybody in his staff was like look just admit defeat just go down with 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 honor so we could go and get jobs in the big state in, in the deep state again. That's what was going on. So, and you know, now Trump's gonna throw up his hands and we'll see what's gonna happen because now for the 2020 for the 2024 election, whether or not he lives to see it, but you know, you've got George Soros now funding Ron DeSantis. So his big bucks, remember, he's the one that wrote the 89 billion dollar check, 89 million, I'm sorry, to Barack Obama to make him president of the United States. Now he's backing backing DeSantis. If the Republicans were smart, which they're not, uh, if DeSantis was to team up with Trump as vice president, that would guarantee them Florida. And then the Republicans could possibly control the White House for 12 years instead of just four. Because remember, Trump can only serve for four years once he gets in. So he's already a lame duck president. But with the power of the pen, he can use executive orders to get rid of the Department of Energy, get rid of the uh, uh, Housing and Urban Development, to get rid of the Department of Education. Because all of these crappy departments, atomic energy, were all created by executive order, mostly under the Carter administration. So if executive orders can create them, executive orders can destroy them. Well, yeah. And to our audience who doesn't like when we cover politics, I promise I'm asking them these questions so we can, uh, because we're all experiencing this and I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I want to understand how we got here and, you know, what type of, I guess, alliance we have in place that's actually fighting against this new world order agenda is we do at well that's what we're trying to figure out you think though you think the white hats have done anything well you think these white hats and by the way the entire white house white house QAnon, uh wano savin mike flynn nonsense is all what in the 60s they they called it counter intel pro and counter intel pro was to fund the hippie movement fund drugs fund uh you know the music that you listen to today from the 60s and all that other stuff whether or not they designed or ran the whole thing for the manson murders because the mansons have been connected to the rockefellers for forever and uh, as kind of like their hit squad uh but to discredit anybody that was against the vietnam war including daniel ellsberg by the way who came out with all the paperwork that showed that the pentagons had an interest in keeping the war going for as long as possible to spend as much money as possible to keep this going as long as possible. Um, so, well, I thought I heard you mention in the interview that uh, somewhere along the line that 
timeline shifted to take us yes. off of that negative timeline. And you mentioned that we were on an ascension timeline. That's where I was trying to get to. Okay. And I, I wanted to see, you know, we know this whole NWO thing is already underway, but I wanted to see where the shift occurs or what your predictions are and how we steer out of that. How we okay. steer well, clear the, of that. It's kind of a weird thing because on the one hand, you know, you have a, you have a debt-based Babylonian banking slavery system in place. And now what you're seeing is the end of that system, which is going to cause utter chaos. But at the same time, we're at the end. I mean, one of the ways that I predicted uh, very specific things like the financial collapse in 2008, uh, the, the exact date. I think the only other person that got it right was Alex Jones of February 22nd uh, of the beginning of the war with uh, with with Ukraine uh, and Russia was by looking at the progression of Pluto. Now, Pluto, I mean, I can do the astrological chart of the United States, and I can show you how the United States is on the verge of, in essence, a nervous breakdown. And when Pluto comes back around in the chart, it's, it's, it's the planet of destruction. It's the planet that whatever sign it's in, it'll take out the basis of it. It'll take out the, uh, the foundation of it. So when the United States was founded in 1776, we had Pluto at 27 degrees Capricorn. Capricorn rules banks. It rules infrastructure. It rules governments. It rules constitutions. It rules everything that a government or a political civilization or society is, is based on. And um, from 1944 to 1974 was literally the golden age for the United States because we were in a Capricorn progression. You had Ford, you had Detroit, you had Disneyland, you had uh, so many amazing things, which is interesting because the progression, it's a long way for me to describe this, but the progression went from Pluto in Capricorn to our progression in the United States moving into Aquarius in 1974. And 74 was the, uh, uh, almost to the day, was the invention of the personal computer. And, you know, Apple and IBM and what and they, they stole the personal computer from Xerox over in Manhattan Beach. And, um, uh, you know, the whole interface and everything else, Xerox didn't do anything with it, but obviously Jobs and Gates did. And uh, based on the DOS operating system, which is a piece of crap, which is what's actually collapsing, which was why so many people are getting away from Intel and moving to a whole other system. Now, it's interesting because um, it moved into, into uh, Aquarius at that time. Pluto, this year and next, 2024, is, is moving back and forth in retrogrades over 27 degrees Capricorn. And every time it moves over that, and, and by the way, the Russians know all about this. Putin knows all about this. So, uh, so the enemies of the United States, including the Chinese, know that at, at the point that Pluto moves across this one degree, that the United States will, will be at its weakest. It'll be def defenseless, if you will. And I can... You know, I mean, I have a whole list of all the various dates that this is going to that this is going to happen where it's moving back and forth over this. Now, it ends. And this is this is the progression of countries. When you look at what's going to happen in 2025, this is 250 years for a nation. That's the lifespan. That's the lifespan of a, of a nation. And you go back to the Bible into the 50 year Jubilee cycles. And if you don't do certain things like, you know, the laws of God will never pass away, as Christ himself said. And every 50 years, if you don't do these certain things, you go into a final cycle. And our final 50-year cycle began approximately 67, 68, 69, 
plus or minus two or three years, which is now ending. So you're looking at the at the natural dissolution and collapse of, of the United States by that time. Now, Pluto is going to move into Aquarius. And uh, my friend Ryan Velli, who's a, a computer expert and used to work for the Pentagon, we're working on a book right now called uh, called The AI Apocalypse. Matter of fact, this what's behind me here is my latest book called The Vril Domin Diaries. And it's the uh, it's all the top secret classified information about the five women who were channeling these kind of dark extraterrestrials uh, to give the uh, uh, to give the Germans the super science that they had, uh, you know, in the 20s and 30s. I mean, the, I, still one of the biggest mysteries of the 20th century is how the hell do the Germans go from, you know, biplanes and things made with canvas and wire to within 20 years achieving space flight. And that's what this, this book is all about behind me. Mm -hmm. And um, which you can get on Amazon uh, or strangeuniverseradio.com. Strangeuniverseradio.com or Amazon, you can, you can buy the book. A uh, whole set in the Sands of Time series. And we'll talk about that in a second. But um, Pluto on, on Christmas Eve of 2024 moves into Aquarius. And when this happens, uh, this is when AI is going to come in and take over. Now, there's going to be a reaction against this. I mean, my prediction has been that you're going to have something that eventually they're going to call the Butlerian Jihad, where people are going to basically make war uh, against these computer systems, whether it's attacking government centers or blowing up places like Bluffdale, which is where the, the main data dump for all the National Security Agency stuff is, or even maybe Congress finally passing some laws against it. You mentioned uh, Ru Russia and Putin. Uh, I've heard you say in the previous interview that Putin was uh, enemy number one for the New World Order. Not me that said it. It was, it was Nathan Rothschild. Okay. So <coughs> why is that? Because Putin gets it. Oh, I mean, let me give you an example of this. He was on stage with Donald Trump. You didn't hear anything about this in the United States. It was amazing. I can't believe this is, wasn't all over everywhere on alternative media. In his speech with Trump through an interpreter, he said, Mr. Trump, by the time you are done being president of the United States, you must tell people everything that you know about 9-11. Also, that we are currently in contact with 27 alien extraterrestrial species and three of them are actually trying to destroy us this was a, a media you know a summit that he had with trump saying this and at the same time you have him as head of a christian country you have him and and putin every i don't know why people don't notice this but there's there's been the opportunity for us to go to war three maybe four times and in every single one of these situations putin has been the one that stepped in that stopped it and it had to do with the uh, uh, with the poison gas in Syria, where we were going to go in and go, you know, and take out uh, um, uh, Bashar in Syria. And Putin had stepped in because if you took out Bashar, you'd basically be signing the death warrants of over 150,000 Christians in Syria. That's the number one thing. Secondly, John Kerry stood up and said, well, we know that this gas was because of because of Bashar and he was going to use it against people. And a, a Russian diplomat stood up and said, oh, yeah. Can you prove that? And Kerry said, well, of course we can. And then, of course, the United States couldn't come up with any proof of it. The United States and Israel attacked former Soviet Georgia during the Olympics in 2008. And the Russians moved in to repel the attack, 
Now they could have taken over the rest of Georgia and they didn't. They stopped. And it was an exchange between Putin and Bush, who was drunk off his ass watching women's volleyball uh, at the 2008 Olympics that made the TV where Putin's like poking him in the chest going, what do you think you're doing? How dare you? What, you know, what the hell? Um, I'll give you another example of this. I mean, it was, it was Joe Biden and the United States and a bunch of Navy SEALs that blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. They fucking admitted it. And has Putin done anything yet? I mean, an act of war against the Russians. And they did nothing. Uh, right now, uh, my nephew works for the military industrial complex. And he says that right now we are shuffling billions of dollars and a bunch of weapons into Poland. And Poland is just handing him over to the Ukrainians. We toppled, Victoria Newland bragged about how we toppled the elected government in Ukraine as a setup for everything that you're seeing now. Why didn't they tell you that the Russian Spetsnaz guys went in and they took out hundreds of miles of underground tunnels? They freed thousands of children that were being enslaved. They took out 40 um, biological warfare places, which Victoria Newland admitted to in front of college after telling us that it was all a conspiracy theory by us nutty people on the internet. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, yeah, yeah, we have you know 40 of these biological places. And sorry about that. So Putin was the one, and even Putin said, you know, I, 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 I get lonely sometimes ever since uh, Gandhi died mm-hmm. as his joke. And the joke was that, you know, obviously Gandhi was a man of peace. And uh, all he's been trying to do is, is, is create peace. And at the same time, with the BRICS alliance, uh, really get away from, from uh, unipolar hegemony of the world from the United States and the criminal bankers, you know, the Khazarian mafia, if you will. And the reason we're handing billions of dollars to the Ukraine is because they also went in and they knocked over, the Russians went in and knocked over all the banks where the New World Order guys were stashing all their drug money and all their slave money and uh, basically using the women and the children of, of Ukraine. There's a big movement. I just watched a documentary on it today uh, uh, called the Femen Movement, where these girls, they protest, they take off their shirts and they write stop and whatever. And they, they have big protests, you know, topless uh, that, you know, Ukraine is not a brothel. And, uh, you know, Ukrainian women are not prostitutes and, you know, all this stuff. So, well, uh, it's I mean, it's pretty apparent when you have the mainstream media, you know, trying to convince everyone to stand with Ukraine and every social media platform, every major organization. Russia bad, Ukraine good. Exactly. So the propaganda is there. So that tells you, obviously, that just to think the opposite is true. But. I want to go back into the timeline shift sure. and you, you mentioned the day of appearance, basically when yes. aliens will come in 2030 or 2031 is, am I right uh, about September, that? September, so the date that's actually marked. This is marked date in the great pyramid of, of Giza. I just remote viewed it to see what would happen on that day. So the great pyramid of Giza, along with every other remarkable thing it is. Uh, I mean, it's at the, it's, it's at the center of all the landmass on earth. The actual position of it is also the speed of light. Uh, the, 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 the width and breadth around it is exactly the distance of the earth to the moon, which is also the distance of the earth to the sun. I mean, all these amazing things that they knew inside, inside the pyramid. So it's like the Atlanteans, supposedly as they were fleeing the destruction of their continent or home world, put everything they knew into this one structure, which is the great pyramid. And I've studied it. I went to school in Egypt uh, when I was 16 years old, and I got a chance to be inside it and study it and, and you know, sit at the feet of great people that knew all about it. Um, 
we had a documentary funded uh, where, you know, I spent two weeks at night inside the pyramid uh, shooting a doc shooting a documentary that I wrote called prophecy of the pyramids, uh, which never saw the light of day because you had the production company steal all the money. Uh, but we were there th for three months, basically just shooting around the pyramid. I was and, just uh, at it a month ago, actually. With, uh, I was just there a month ago with Carrie Cassidy, uh, the trip that she led. Wow. How was that? About a, It was amazing. It was okay. phenomenal. I was inside of it. We went in the queen King's chamber, laid in the sarcophagus in the King's chamber. Nice. Did you get a, did um, they let you go into the pit? The pit? the pit? The pit. Way down. Oh, the pit. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but we went after hours, so it was just our group inside, good. which was cool. Good, good. Yeah, for a hundred bucks, you know, a, a person you can, you know, let the guards let you in. So twenty thirty four. So okay, the pyramid is a timeline in stone, mm -hmm. and and if you look at everything that the pyramid radiates out from, it's a Pythagorean triangle. It's three, five, and seven, which actually represents the way, the truth, and the life. And if you begin the time code when the mouth of the pyramid. Uh, you guys went in the main, you, you saw the, the main entrance and then you saw Mahmoud in the eighth century. He, he blew some stuff up and, and created a different path in the pyramid, but the time code of the pyramid begins when the star, uh, Alpha Draconis in the constellation of the red dragon of Alpha Draconis aligns with this downward path, showing that there were reptilian beings that we may or may not call the Nephilim or whatever, but they had something to do with the fall of man which is the, the allegory is, uh, of course, you have the serpent in the, uh, in the Garden of Eden, and that's responsible for the fall of man. And actually, it's interesting because you went in the pyramid. You'll notice those two big chevrons at the opening, and it's the two big stone chevrons. That represents yes. the separation of male and female from the separation of the two sides of our brain so that the logical, rational side of the brain cannot, which, which lives in linear time, can't access the feminine mystic quantum side of the brain, which lives and exists outside time or outside. Well, actually everything all at once happens in this part of the brain. Mm. So once you break that down, you or achieve a form of cosmic consciousness, if you will, you can integrate these two parts of the brain. That's what remote viewing does basically is with remote viewing, you give the left-hand side of the brain, a bunch of toys and Tonka trucks and, and you know, like kind of a, a flight simulator or a starship bridge, something to play with so that you can then access various images from the quantum time part of the brain. So um, when you go down that, it, it just shows the separation and eventually we're going to come back together into this harmony and this integration where the male and female not only come together properly, but the, both sides of the brain. And you can then connect this to the Maya. Because the Maya talked about 2012, that for the first time in 25,000 years, you don't have the two veils on either side of the brain. So right now is, I don't know, I know nobody makes more fuss about this, but we're in a 13-year period between 2012, December 21st of 2012, and December 21st of 2025, which the Maya called the Night of the Jaguar, which means bad stuff, that we were going to basically be digested by this Jaguar, kind of processed through all this stuff and come out the other side, hopefully not into a world of shit, but uh, uh, come out the other side as reintegrated individuals with everything kind of stripped away from us. So you start the clock there.
And inside the pyramid, uh, in what they call sacred cubits, which is about 26 inches or so, that each one of those represents a year. Then when you go into the chambers, you take a step up or a step down, whether or not it's in the, in the, the pit at the bottom or whether or not it's into the queen's chamber, we have to take a step down, or whether or not it's in the king's chamber, which is, of course, you take that, you know, you have the great step. You had to climb up that, right, to get into the king's chamber. You know, the big yeah, step yeah. you have to take. So yeah. that great step, by the way, uh, was thought by the Seventh-day Adventist, a man named John Miller, uh, to be the rapture. That, you know, this was when everybody was going to get raptured. And people sold everything they had. They dressed in white. And they stood on the hillsides. And it's called the Great Disappointment. And you still have today. You have that that as a, as a big deal for the Seventh-day Adventist. And um, that's another thing that fueled, because this all happened in uh, 1944. And it's what fueled the uh, a lot of the gold rush because a lot of people had nothing. So they just packed up everything and moved to California when they heard there was gold there because they'd all been kind of tricked. Um, but as you enter into the king's chamber, you have to you have to bow down. There's all these things are predicted. They predicted First World War, Second World War, uh, the beginning of the collapse of Western civilization starting, once again, plus minus three years of 67 through 69. And then, but it predicted the coming of Christ. And it prediction with his birthday being September 27th of 2 BC. We know that Jesus was about five or six at that time. So, because we know Herod died in four. So, Jesus comes to Egypt. And I think he goes through an initiation ceremony in the pyramid, lays in the sarcophagus as you did. Mm -hmm. and, um, um, and I think at that point, the big God, or God the Father, is then merged with God the Son. And if you look at some of the best uh, diatribes or the best uh, analysis of his speeches are in a book by uh, 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 called The uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, yeah, uh, great book. Which, which is by Yogananda. If you mm -hmm. look at the end of that, he talks about where Jesus goes, you know, the father says this, the higher spirit says this, the son of man says this. So he, he specifically divides his ego in half. And... Um, so I think he was merged with this higher conscious. There's even a symbol, um, uh, the symbol of, of the St. Christopher medal, which is the giant, the messianic giant, actually with Jesus on his shoulder who comes across the Nile and merges with the human soul of Jesus. So I'm not sure if this is going to happen or not, but it also predicts his death on April 1st of 33 AD, which is when he was crucified, which is Maundy Thursday, which is the Last Supper. Uh, from sundown to Thursday to sundown to Friday, uh, all that happening. It's also interesting, too, because directly after that, you have a, 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 a tunnel a tunnel that goes all the way down to the pit. And in our Christian mythology, uh, we talk about how uh, for the three days that Jesus was dead, that he descends into hell. And what does he do in hell? He opens the gates of hell. He basically says, look, anybody wants to be free? Anybody tired of being punished? Everybody wants to, you know, repent. Come with me. Ali Allah acts and free. Everybody come on up. So the next thing that's going to happen is that is that it predicts the coming of the next Messiah, who will incarnate exactly as Jesus did. You know, maybe not coming on the beam of light with the, uh, you know, with the Mount of Olives as he's also been predicted, but that this would happen again on October thirty first of twenty thirty nine. Now, it's interesting that it's on Halloween. Why is it on Halloween? Because Halloween represents the return of the souls of the dead. 
so that if you honored your ancestors, they would return on this day when the, when the veil between worlds was weak. And if you honored your ancestors, they would bring you a blessing. They'd bring you a treat, if you will. And if you dishonored your ancestors, the ancestors would be angry and, you know, give you a trick or, you know, give you a lump on the head. So, so September 17th of 2034, uh, the pyramid has a prediction of the sign in the sky. So in doing a viewing of this in the future, on this particular date, uh, we're right now at the beginning of a void point in the pyramid's prediction, where it's predicting that whether or not the, the, the globalists are understanding this because they've called it their 2030 agenda or their 2050 agenda, their whole goal of wiping out billions of people, uh, their whole goal of um, supposedly that uh, the, the ideal population for Earth is between 500 million and 700 million people, which is, by the way, what the Pleiadians told Billy Meyer as well, that this many people need to go. Well, I completely disagree. And this is why on the edge of this, um, they're at war with us. They're wiping out your food supply. Uh, they're introducing viruses. They're introducing genetically engineered um, uh, diseases that are designed to kill certain types of people, if you will. Uh, they've injected you with, uh, uh, you know, with the COVID vaccine, which actually has graphene in it, which means that it can be activated by 5G. Uh, the reason you have all these athletes falling over dead is because they're hyper-oxygenating and hyper-oxygenization uh, turns the graphene into spikes in the cell. And as they go through the heart, you have these people like you know soccer players and the Buffalo Bill guy who just fall over dead. Um, I'm not even so sure the guy that came out of that Buffalo Bills game is the same guy. It's not. Because it's the tattoos... Not. The yeah, tattoo are, doesn't match and nothing. It's a clone or guy. whatever. Well, I don't think it's a clone, but I think they just found somebody who looked like him because they didn't want people to know that all these football players who took the same vaccine could all just fall over dead at some point. Right. So, um, um, and by the way, the first thing they do when they put you in the hospital is they put you on oxygen. And of course that just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So here's what I view. The bottom line is, there's a date in the pyramid. And, um, what I viewed is on that day, uh, and this is my opinion of what it is, is that what I saw was the planet was in trouble that we had actually knocked the planet off kilter somehow. So the planet was literally kind of wobbling, if you will, that billions had died and that uh, the planet was, you know, everything that the climate change people said would happen, but it happened because of them, really. And some of it may have been because of nuclear war with China, turning China into a big smoke and hole in the ground. Bottom line, we were in trouble. So you have every... UFO in this quadrant of the galaxy, which you can't see with the naked eye. If, my suggestion is go on a cruise sometime and uh, uh, get yourself a pair of night goggles and you'll see a massive war in space. You'll see all kinds of crazy things with night goggles and infrared and fluor goggles. And uh, we took a trip to Alaska uh, with Art Bell. Oddly enough, I think it was 99. And uh, it was the Great Pyramid uh, debate. And we had a guy named Ed Grimsley who had a, a box of these night vision goggles and we put them on and you could see all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I mean, a giant war in space and um, they clean the atmosphere, whoever they are, uh, the cosmic police or the way high patrol or the Alliance, the Arcturians or whatever you want to say, they clean the atmosphere. They reset the planet 
this is all in the book of Isaiah, by the way, because Isaiah talks about the earth actually wobbling like a drunken man and something occurring either from a, a comet uh, or something. And actually, one of the things I did predict also back in 94 was that, was that we would suffer um, an asteroid strike and sometime in uh, 1998, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, 2028, and that this would knock the Earth off kilter. Now it's weird because then some years later, NASA came out and said we were going to hit on October 20, October 28th of 1990, of 2000, 2028, uh, by a series of meteors. And you can check this yourself in any ephemeris, but there's a a whole series of meteors that become that come within 0. 0.0001. Of Earth, I mean, literally crossing between us and the moon, and uh, that there's a bunch of them on their way, and that one of them hits somewhere near Greenland. So all they do is they clean the atmosphere, uh, they reset the Earth to its original orbit trajectory, and then they just leave. They just that's it. But it this changes is- the consciousness of everything and everyone because we're, we're we're now proven that there's someone else and something else out there that doesn't really care about us particularly but does care about the, the planet itself. So you're saying this will happen according to your opinion, your prediction on in 2034, September of 2034, September 17th of 2034 is the day. And you call that the day of appearance. Day of appearance. Yeah. And uh, the pyramid just calls it the, uh, what do they call it? I I think people have actually interpreted it as the, the day of appearance or the day of the great star, I think is what they call it. So you're but talking about a date and I tried to view the date and that's what I saw happening on that day. So you talk about the earth wobbling. You mentioned the 2009 Norway spiral. Ah, okay. Um, what happened there? Because was there a pole shift as I understand it, that occurred on that day? Yes. Okay. So here's what happened in 1945. Uh, when we started testing nuclear weapons and hydrogen bombs and cobalt bombs, and bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. I think we've, I can't even tell you how many 2,800 bombs we've dropped on the state of Nevada, as an example. Uh, the Chinese in 89 started uh, started dropping a bunch of bombs. Um, hydrogen bombs, whatever. Which, by the way, they proved that there are gigantic subcontinents underneath uh, the Himalayas and underneath the Gobi Desert, which the Tibetans have been calling Akartha Major and Akartha Minor uh, for many years. And they say that there's a race of giants that lives under there. There's a race of uh, reptilians. Uh, both good and bad, you know, giant, you know, uh, wise reptilians who they have good relationships with and uh, a form of reptilians that are not so good that are actually in contact with the Illuminati. I, I write all about it in my latest book, and um, uh, which is coming out soon. Actually, it's the sequel to Vril Dom and Diaries. Once again, you can get all the Sands of Time books. we got to talk about those. All the Sands of Time books on uh, on Amazon. Or strangeuniverseradio.com. Hopefully, you'll buy them there because you know we get the money. <laughs> you know, Amazon does because they right. take their cut. Um, okay, so Norway spiral. When that, when that happened, yeah, when when we started testing all these bombs in 1945, the magnetic North Pole. There's a true North Pole, a nodal North Pole, and a magnetic North Pole. So the magnetic North Pole became unhinged, literally detached from the center of the earth and the magnetic north pole started marching towards the north pole and there were all kinds of reports norad did a report on this uh uh the uh, the rand company did a report on this the military did a report on this and they 
were studying. They they had to study the North Pole to open up the North Pole for um, airline travel because you can't travel over the North Pole without your compasses going crazy. So they needed to map the North Pole, and they used a, a it was called the Flight of the Key Bird. And there's an entire book that was written on this, which was called World in Peril. And the Key Bird was a B. 29 bomber i may not have that right but it was it was it was there was only two left and there was the enola gay which is in the uh smithsonian which dropped the bombs on on japan and there was this one other one that they, they turned into an arctic observer so what the military did this is the greatest scientific contribution in the latter half of the 20th, 20th century was they started mapping this grid across the the top of the planet and this allowed the opening of of airline travel to allow it to uh travel over the pole without you know using uh, uh compasses which wouldn't work so when they did this once again they start they noticed this the, the drift of nodal north and true north and that they made a series of predictions that in 2012 that um that when true north and magnetic north met that you would have a polar shift now either the magnetic poles of the earth would shift which would cause massive disasters or you would actually have the planet itself flip over where the new North Pole would be Saudi Arabia, I think it was. And uh, 20%, nothing would happen. But this was a huge report from the Rand Corporation. So everybody was expecting this, and it was uh, uh, was written by Colonel White, I think it was, uh, who wrote this book called World in Peril. Now, the weird thing about this was is that on, on December 9th, of 2009 uh barack obama and obama has this posse of like 83 people that travel with him everywhere and he just so happened to be in norway in oslo to accept the nobel peace prize and even obama was like all right okay i get it i'm black i'm cool but i haven't done anything to deserve this which they wanted to take away from him by the way because of libya and because of syria and because this guy had killed more people and started more wars than anybody ever. And um, but he was there with his 83 people and um, they saw the Norway spiral and the Norway spiral lasted for nine minutes. And it was created by a series of, I guess, what you would call uh, hyper advanced uh, harp weapons um, out of. Uh, Oh, I had pictures of this, um, uh, the town, uh, 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 Trumslow, Trumslow, Norway. And um, what they did was they created a basically a nine-minute black hole between here and the sun. And what it did was it was from that day forward, you had the, the magnetic north that was moving up, 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 up. Suddenly from that date, the magnetic north stopped, took a hard right turn, and is now almost 2,000 kilometers west in the in the in the arctic sea it, it's heading towards russia basically so santa claus and his house is going to be somewhere in russia hmm. so instead of it meeting magnetic north it started heading this way and um at the same time you actually had uh, uh we were worried about the sun we were worried, you know ed dames kept talking about the kill shot from the sun or whatever yeah but it pulled all this energy uh from the sun so it pulled energy from the sun it 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 altered the magnetic field of the earth. So now it's going sideways instead of straight up. And um, in essence, saved the planet from what might've been a, a massive polar flip 
causing ginormous disaster in the in uh, 2012. And at the same time, as I said, uh, massive earthquakes like the Northridge earthquake in Southern California, because you'll notice we haven't had a single big quake. They usually big quakes in Southern California happen every about 17 years. And since Northridge in 94, nothing. I mean, you know, very minor. We've had a five, five, we've had some fours. Um, I mean, even a three and a half is a, is a bus. And not only did I predict that this, that the Northridge quake was going to be artificial, but I showed people how they were going to do it, showed them where the extra low frequency antennas were, uh, managed to predict the epicenter of the quake by just, by just triangulating where the three towers would interconnect and they interconnected in Flagstaff. I said, okay, there's going to be a five and a half in Flagstaff. There was. And then I said it was going to be uh, January 10th uh, of 94. And there was a big jolt in the Santa Monica Bay. And then people started threatening my life because I was on our bell talking about that date. And, of course, it happened 10 days later. Um, you know, and I got to say the worst I told you so, as I think, ever. <laughs> but, um, so the Norway spiral was key on that particular date. And Obama witnessing it happened to be in Norway. And... Um, there's other weird things happening too, because then they went down to supposedly once again with his 83 guys, his posse, um, to go supposedly uh, honor uh, Nelson Mandela. Well, Mandela had died uh, several years before, and they still kept the illusion of him being alive, uh, so the ANC could actually take over South Africa. And uh, Obama went to meet Mandela, and supposedly Obama, you know, didn't have time to meet the president of the United States because he was already dead, and. Um, when they went down in December of, I forget the year, but there were two comets that were crossing and Obama went out to this temple in the middle of nowhere, which was called the temple of the unknown, unnamed gods and uh, did a big ceremony and some kind of, you know, big spooky thing out there. So, uh, so there you are. So well, there's uh, a lot of ritualistic black magic on top of weather manipulation. I mean, everything. Yeah. Right. Obviously, yeah. So we've seen yeah. a number of things that look similar to the Norway spiral since then. Have we? I mean, yeah, there was one um, that people spotted even from my hometown, what, last year or a year and a half ago? Um, another one was recently spotted over Hawaii, look exactly like the Norway spiral. So I don't know if there, if it's just another experiment, another uh, weather manipulation experiment, or if it's something completely different. I don't know. Well, it's a lot of heart project stuff. So, you know, not a good thing. Not in your opinion, no. No, it's well, again, the Norway spiral was a good thing because, it, you know, it stopped the earth from flipping over. Um, and again, as I said, the timelines have changed. We're, we're in a blue sky area. I mean, you know, again, you could toss Gordon Scallion, you could toss uh, Edgar Casey, uh, you can toss an Astronomer stuff, you can toss all this stuff out the window. Because let me give you my rationale of this, because I, I think it's it's also to what you guys are doing as well. There are six major planetary chakras. The base root chakras in Lhasa, Tibet, where the masculine force of the the male force of the god Ray, uh, of the real force, if you will, strikes. And so you have all these monks there who were processing this god force. Uh, cleaning the atmosphere. I mean, I know because I, I did this. I mean, I was in a monastery where, you know, every few days we would take on the negative aspects of the earth, cleanse it through our bodies, run it through a violet light, and then give people back that energy. Uh, the the prostate ovarian chakra of the planet, uh, which is also the belt of Orion, is the Great Pyramid of Giza because it's built right on that second chakra. 
Uh, the third chakra, which is the solar plexus or the wheel of the sun, uh, is Stonehenge. Uh, which, by the way, the pyramid also predicts not only did it triangulate the exact birthplace of Christ uh, with that pyramid that I was talking about, but I mean, that triangulates literally within about 100 feet of the cave of the nativity, along with a line that goes through where the Hebrews escaped from Egypt, which was not Luxor. It was actually Heliopolis or Cairo. Uh, triangulates at Bethlehem, continues onward. It goes right through the valley where Joshua leads the uh, the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, and then triangulates again uh, on the hilltop where Moses receives the Ten Commandments, which is nowhere near the Hollywood set they have today, way down in Sinai. It's, it, that's that's completely all that was come up with by uh, Constantine's mom, uh, Helena, who just said, "Oh, okay, here, this is where it happened." And um, if you triangulate out the other way. It actually tells you that the birth of the next Messiah, uh, who I've seen as being a woman called the Emanuela, uh, but he or she actually incarnates uh, in the energy of Stonehenge. And if you wonder why all these crop circles are happening on the Salisbury Plain all around Stonehenge, is that they are, I don't know if you say they're honoring the, uh, um, the king or queen of the universe, you know, incarnating there again for another 120 years or so. The, 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 the throat chakra of the earth is downtown Los Angeles, uh, which is where you have the crypto.com arena, you have the Emmy Museum, you have the Grammys, you have, you know, the whole chakra point of Los Angeles is all about communication, you know, music, movies, TV, what have you. The third eye of the earth is uh, right outside of Osaka, Japan, in a sacred town called Tenri City, uh, where they started a religion, of, uh, a, a part of Shinto Buddhism, which was started by a woman named Oyama, who was channeling Pleiadians in the 1840s. But this is where you guys come in. And what we're doing comes in. When you look at the seventh chakra in the brain, you have to understand that the violet light that actually comes from the... Oh, shut up. The violet light that actually comes from the, uh, uh, the top of our brain is... Uh, Oh, this guy always bothers me. Uh, that comes out from the top of the, the top of our brain is is the result of the right and left hand sides of the brain, the hippocampus, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, all these glands in the brain that create this violet light. It's not a single organ. So, for example, the endocrine system has seven glands to it, and each one of these glands vibrates at a particular frequency. Each one of those frequencies comes out as a different color which is what creates the chakra system of the body, except the brain. So the seventh chakra of the planet is us, is the internet, is what French philosopher Pierre Lejardin claimed uh, was the cosmic new sphere that all of us create together this consciousness. And so the big shift has been uh, the inevitability of our, in essence, using, I mean, what we're using now is the results of alien technology. What you're using now, uh, streaming, whether it's TV or whatever, was basically a form of alien mathematics that was introduced to the internet that increased broadband speeds by about 10 times or so in 98, 99. And a lot of it was actually introduced by a, a corporation called Omnigon, which also had a corporation under it called uh, uh, Genetech. And uh, even my investigations into this, they've threatened to sue me. They've threatened to do all kinds of things to me. 
Uh, I mean, I called them to tell, ask how to invest in their co- in their company, and I talked about it on Coast to Coast. And uh, their lawyers wrote me a letter threatening to sue me if I even mentioned them. And, and they were like, "How'd you get this information?" I said, "I called you on the phone, and you guys sent me perspectives." So, um, anyway, so it was interesting. So uh, that's what we're doing. What we're doing is is that this new sphere, which is, and you'll notice that everybody's moving away from. The networks, which were all controlled. I mean, CNN was set up. I don't know why people don't know this. Was set up by the CIA mm-hmm. as an intelligence gathering agency to put reporters yeah. in different countries so they could gather intelligence for the CIA. And nobody in the CIA, in the NSA, in the DIA, in the Deuxembourgo, and MI5, and MI6, or whatever, nobody gets to gets to be a big mucky muck in those agencies without having some background in the Jesuits. The Jesuits are it. I mean, the Jesuits. The Jesuits were behind 9-11. Why? Because they needed to get the United States involved with fighting Islam. And now what's happening is, I wrote a book about this called Veil of the Antichrist, which again, you guys can get strangeuniverseradio.com, uh, amazon.com. It's called uh, The Dark Prophet, Veil of the Antichrist. But I wrote a book about this, about the Jesuits and about a spy who works for the Jesuits, Father Dominic Linquist, and how he's in the Arab terror networks and what have you. And... Um, Right now, with what's going on with uh, with Yemen, uh, what's been going on with Syria, with what's been going on with now uh, uh, Iran being welcomed back into the fold, now you actually had Shah Reza Pahlavi, who was the son of the former Shah, now being invited back into Israel and honored with them talking about making him the king in Iran again. If this happens, you now have these seven huge states that are now all conglomerating together into another caliphate which again is what the Vatican's been fighting. And it's one of the reasons why you had the Knights of Malta. The Knights of Malta went in and they yelled at, uh, at Pope Benedict, <coughs> Cardinal Ratzinger. And they went at it for about four hours, just yelling and screaming about how he's not doing his job at keeping Islam at bay. And he said, okay, I'll think about it. And two hours later, you had lightning strike the cross on top of St. Peter's Basilica. Hmm. And at 7 p.m. that night, he resigned. First Pope in 732 years to resign. And he handed the whole thing over to, uh, I can't even pronounce his real name, uh, Bertiglio or something, but Pope Francis. By the way, he named himself, not after Francis of Assisi, the, the saint that was nice to a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of little animals, but uh, he named himself after um, after the, uh, uh, the Pope that had actually started the Jesuits. And uh, uh, Francis Xavier. And um, now he is talking about resigning as well. And it's going to be interesting because now I think they want a, they want a black pope now, which does seem to fit into the, uh, the prophecies of Father Malachi, even though the Malachi prophecies have been tossed out. And the reason they've been so crazy about this is because uh, the prophecies of Father Lu- of uh, Sister Lucia or Sister Bernadetta, actually changed her name to was Lucia, changed to Bernadetta. Uh, this was the third prophecy of Fatima. And the third prophecy of Fatima, no matter what they tell you, they were supposed to reveal in 1963. And, and Pope John XXIII uh, read it, began to weep, and fell off the throne. It was so horrible. And what it said, and they claimed to have revealed it to you, but it was Ratzinger or, Fra- or uh, uh, Pope Benedict that covered the whole thing up. It basically said that, that, that Rome was overrun by Islam. And that they ransacked the Vatican and that they murdered the College of Cardinals and murdered all the bishops. 
and that the Pope was running away and he climbed up on top. He was in an alley and he climbed up on top of a pile of bodies of his bishops. And that then he was machine gunned by these uh, by these Muslim rebels. That's happening. And in 1994, I predicted that World War Three, as we know it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to start with Ukraine. It's not going to start with Russia. It's going to start when Pakistan, mark my words on this, when Pakistan nukes India with nuclear weapons. Now, when I when I predicted this in 94, um, <laughs> people in Pakistan could barely figure out how to how to hook a horse to a cart. Mm-hmm. And now they've got, you know, all these people are starving to death and they've got nuclear weapons and they're this close to using a nuke against India. So there you go. Well. That's we're in. Uh, oh, it's not great. No, I know it's terrible. We're, we're in for quite a journey um, if that happens. But we, I mean, we look around and we see things aren't ideal. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, I want to continue, but I think we can wrap this up and then maybe do a part two and get into some <laughs> of uh, your book that's behind you and some of the technology that the Germans were working with in the parallel space programs and what type of reverse engineered technology um, we've been working with over the years. So um, if you're okay with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, You want to let people know once again, expandinguniverse.com. Is that how they can find your book? Strange Universe. Strange Strange, Universe. I'm sorry. Strange Universe. Yeah. Strangeuniverseradio.com. Strangeuniverseradio.com. And uh, all the books are available on Amazon, just in brief. Uh, the reason I started these books is because a, a man who I call Ted Humphrey uh, was the boss at Area 51. He was the guy who ran all the dark projects for what was called the group and interacted with the council and interacted with, uh, you know, German scientists, what have you. And um, I got a call from some very scary lawyers in Century City in 2009 who said, uh, this man has moved on. They never said he died. They just said this man has moved on and there's an estate matter. And they handed me this massive journals, which was like his daily personal journal of, of every day that they were developing the technology and the, the whole an inside look at the, uh, at the black world, at black technology on everything that the, the real Pentagon money is really being spent on. And this became a real quest for me because whenever we went out to Area 51, we'd see the saucers fly around. That was no big deal. But the one thing I saw that made me realize that there was something bigger and better out there was uh, a ginormous mothership. I mean, this thing was 1,600 feet from tip to tail. It had a blunt shovel nose on it. It was kind of divided in half or silver on the top and black on the bottom. And it flew right over our heads. And it, it, it came went over the town of Rachel, uh, came in from the north, landed behind Bald Mountain at, at 5-1. And it was the only time that the uh, the Wackenhut guards ever chased us. And myself and my friend, John Hadley, we thought we'd gotten it on video. But um, anyway, they chased us. We managed to hide in Rachel. And uh, Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings and all of the uh, uh, television work that I'd done, uh, I showed that I was willing to basically you know give my life to get this information out there. And I have. So you've got Santa Time 1 and 2. Uh, Sands of Time, the Isomer Protocol. Um, you then have uh, a whole adventures about a time runner device that allows us to instantaneously teleport anywhere in the universe. Uh, my patent on the unified field theory, which I still can't get anybody to look at, uh, which then led to what they call gravity phones, instantaneous communication anywhere with anyone, 
anywhere in the universe, in the universe, not just the galaxy, the universe. So, um, and the two wars that we fought with beings from Aldebaran and beings from uh, Alphaconus, which are the uh, which are the final wrap up and their yeah. interaction with the Vril's. Yeah, I'd love to get into all of that um, okay. in an, in another episode. All right. Um, but thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank, thank you, you for uh, sharing all of your predictions. And I mean, this has been uh, an amazing interview. So thanks again. Thank you guys for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you guys at the conference. It's right around the corner. It's not too late to grab a ticket. Journeytotruthcon.com. Until next time, have a great evening and good night. There was a CIA director named William Colby, who in the 1980s said, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is fake. When we realize how powerful we are when we set our intentions and we realize that we aren't just this, we are just these multi-dimensional light beings and time is an illusion and you know, it's everything's a perception then you can go forward and backwards and, and embody it and just pop out and go and do this work. You can do amazing things when we set the right intentions to do it. And I said, this is this is us on this plane. You know, like, this, that's what this is. We're going to the moon. And he said, this thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time. But I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. And our DNA is a complex recording system of the history of the entire universe the history you know of, of everything that not just this timeline that we know but multiple timelines of reality there are a total of nine different categories of planets uh, in the universe uh, we people on earth we are living on a category one planet like elementary school students and the theobans they are living on a category nine planet like uh, college professors so they have been really guiding us throughout history. Teokum let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed. And as far as the bending the space-time continuum, I've had something like that happen. And what seemed like about a five minute encounter has been four and a half hours of missing time. And I was completely conscious. And when you're dealing with a type three, type four, type five civilizations that can work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time we have Bigfoot activity out there, we're having ETs and orbs and stuff like that. We have a lot of the stuff documented. As a matter of fact, um, I'm a member of three different teams and I work with people from all over the country out in the field. And um, we actually have documented a portal, something that we consider to be a portal um, opening. And we sent two of our team members inside of it. And really? it disappeared and then came back out. I would suggest that we take it one step further and say humanity has never known who we are. We've always been in the thought control matrix. And one step further, perhaps we could say that we're in a conscious, consciously controlled state of hypnosis. In other words, are the thought control matrix creators constantly 
bombarding us with frequencies that keep us from being telepathic, that keep us from remembering who we are. The thought control matrix was set up and we have never known our potential, our power, our yeah. beauty, our, our, our incredible connection. It makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations because it's all about order. It's all about listen to listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it, it, it dims the light of the child and it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And why that's designed that way by the dark side and that's in the system is so that they grow up and they just listen to and they do what they're told and they're good little boys and good little girls and they lose their sense of self. They lose their north, their true north. Yeah. So many adults are walking around in, the, in this world. They don't know who they are. So the planet itself is now beginning to split. It's beginning to divide again into a higher vibrational earth and a lower vibrational earth and the race of man is dividing with it and we're becoming less and less aware of one another and over time what will happen and i don't know how long this will be one world will have all higher vibrational beings on it and the other one will all be third dimensional beings and we will not perceive each other anymore